0: comment and share. All right. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Rogue News. Uh, this is CJ, and I'm delighted today be, to be joined by London Paul of The Serious Report. I want to thank our listeners for, for tuning in. Uh, just real quick, also, please make sure to visit our sponsors, My CBD Edibles, uh, RemainCom.net, also the, the Crypto School. Go listen to the show they did yesterday if you've missed it. Uh, they did a great show yesterday and then also Liquid Base. But there's lots to talk about uh, today and uh, anxious to start the conversation. So, London, Paul, good morning. How are you, sir?
1: Yeah, I'm very well. Good morning to you, CJ. And how are you?
0: You know, I'm doing great, Paul. Uh, we, You know, the, again, the, the news cycle, uh, tons of information's coming out. Uh, one of the things, Paul, that really caught my eye was a little bit of Trump, I'm going to say probably going a little bit more on the o- offensive, and that specifically has to do with the administration uh, revoking the uh, top security clearance of uh, John Brennan.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've had, I mean, I've personally got this viewpoint with regards to to the whole idea of security clearance. I mean, this is only my personal opinion. I think when people cease to be a CIA director or whatever, some prominent position their security clearance should automatically be revoked. Why do they need to have security clearance when they're not fulfilling the function of that role? I, I, I find that quite surprising that it requires it, an, and probably what's deemed as an unprecedented action for Trump to revoke the security clearance of Brandon, who we know has been a harsh critic in social media of the president, and obviously is targeting others who've disagreed with, with his administration. Also, Trump is, and And, you know, he said uh, Brennan's lying and recent conduct characterized by increased frenzied commentary is wholly inconsistent with access to the nation's most closely held secrets and facilities. The very aim of our adversaries, which is to sow division and chaos. That's what Sarah Huckabee Sanders came out with, reading, obviously, a statement from Trump. Now, yeah, I think it, it is an unprecedented move on one level, but to be honest, for me, it seems common sense i think it should be the case that it becomes the norm and is not a precedent i don't see any reason why i mean i mean okay i don't understand all the machinations of how the u.s administration works but i think what's also telling is that not only is the context of assessing it from brennan's perspective but they're also evaluating clearances for comey once again why is comey gone? Still got security clearance, obviously the former director of national intelligence, James Clapper. There's also the former national security director, Michael Hayden, former national security advisor, Susan Rice, the former FBI attorney, Lisa Page, and then former deputy attorney general, Sally Yates. It also says, that, I mean, I thought, I mean, this is incredible, but I thought if once Peter Strzok was fired, he, would automatically have his security clearance revoked. So maybe that's just a kind of in the chronology of events, the, the idea they were evaluating his clearance, and that's why you know he was listed. But also, does the former deputy director, Andrew McKay, who's obviously whose security clearance was deactivated after he was fired. So yeah, clearly on that basis. Therefore, strock will automatically have his security clearance revoked. But the question is, why are all these people still have security clearance? What what is the purpose of it? Because I think it's hugely unhelpful to any administration. Forget whether it's Obama administration, the Bush administration, or the Trump administration. I don't see why former anybody should have the, have any access to security sensitive material. I don't see there's any benefit or and any requirement for it. So. I think it's it's people will say it's a bold move by Trump, but I think it's a very intelligent move. Um, of course, it's not going to stop um, Brennan probably attacking Trump on social media. And of course, what did Brennan do? He did respond by going, this is a part an action as part of a broader effort by Trump to suppress freedom of speech and punish critics. Well, maybe he <laughs> should maybe should actually turn his attention to the very social media he uses and ask why are many in the alternative media having their rights revoked for apparently freedom of speech? So it's incredible how he attacks Trump in that regard. It doesn't defend the, the, the rights of the likes of you and I. I mean, okay, I haven't had rights revoked, but, you know, you know, what? obviously the principle of the matter. So and he's trying to, of course, appeal to all Americans going, oh, you know, you can't speak out. And my principles are worth far more than clearances. I will not relent. Well, fine, don't relent. Who cares? But I, I think it's a it's a precedent that should be looked into more, particularly now from the Trump administration perspective, because who else is going to come out and, and speak in this way? And let's face it, th- these are unprecedented times because never has, in wealth, to my knowledge anyway, a U.S. president, ever been the subject of such criticism and vitriol in, in, the, in that I can recall. I don't think it's ever happened before, and it's probably highly unlikely it will ever happen again.
0: Correct. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what John Brennan is specifically you know, talking about. You know, No one is shutting down his free speech. Not everyone should be entitled to top secret security clearance ball. And you're absolutely right. I, I think it makes absolute no sense. I think it speaks to the amount of dysfunction uh, that occurs at Washington, D.C. when we have people in these positions and years after they have left that they still receive these top security security clearances. You can get fired from the government and you still have your top security clearances. It makes, it makes absolutely no sense. And let's also keep in mind that John Brennan has, you know, out there several times, almost openly threatened the president as well. And he never gets called out on that. He never specifically does anyone ever say, Hey, wait a minute. You know, you're talking to a sitting U S president and You know, those those conversations that he's had has really uh, triggered a lot of some of the 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 big hashtag resistance movement movement that's occurred. And uh, with Trump removing uh, the security clearance of several of these officials. I mean, we know specifically that's how a lot of this information gets leaked out. How many times has it been leaked to the media? the things that are happening. And a lot of the time it comes from, you know, these individuals in the security with the security clearance and the relationship with the media, Paul.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Whoever it might be. I mean, there's, there's a clear indication and it's something that's um, bedeviled effectively uh, the Trump administration since he came into office is the endless leaks. I mean, it, it, and you're absolutely right. The question has to be laid at the foot of, you know, people who still obviously potentially maybe—I mean, maybe it isn't them—but on the balance of probability, we can't rule out the the suggestion that people with security clearance, who from our perspective shouldn't have security clearance, or in fact people responsible for leaking information. And there's no doubt, Brennan did threaten Trump on social media. Now, you know, worse worse the—you know—there's all there's one thing having free speech, but threatening an incumbent president is astonishing that people are allowed to do that and there's no recourse. And I don't know how, how, what the precedent is for in a legal sense, why security clearance isn't revoked. I don't know what rule laws that have been passed or is it just something that is rather than actually a law stating it should happen by the fact there isn't implicitly, you know, it states, therefore they retain security clearance by thing. There needs to be legislation put in place that says when you finish your term as a in any capacity, you know whether you whether you're you're a junior in the FBI, whether you're you know you're a director, whether you're in the CIA, whether you're in whatever whatever government clear security clearance level you have, that a you have your security clearance revoked, and if you subsequently leak any information or you leak prior no security information, then there needs to be a legal precedent that says, hang on, is is this not a, a criminal offence? And depending on the severity of the information leak, does it become a, an offence that's treasonable? Because, you know, certainly from, I know from, if you work in, in the military in the UK and you sign the Official Secrets Act, if you subsequently go and leak information, they're going to come after you and prosecute you and put you in prison for a very long time, because obviously that's a threat to national security. And, you know, if you keep allowing people to have security clearance and have the information, obviously if they do, it depends what they do with it, and if they do nothing, all well and good. But if they use it for nefarious reasons, which is entirely possible, and we're not saying anyone's done that specifically because we don't know, but you minimise the risk to national security by not allowing Uh, ex disgruntled whoever's the the access to that material and therefore as you say there's there's some evidence to suggest that they have some they're complicit to some degree in the leakages that have have just been prevalent in the trump administration since the day of the inauguration quite literally
0: yeah and let's let's continue the conversation a little bit around uh, some of the, the the true things that are happening in regards to uh, silencing some of the, the counter perspectives, uh, some of the counter views that's occurring, Paul. Um, we're learning overnight last night that uh, Stefan Molyneux, who has been uh, very much on a global scale influencing some of the course of nationalism, that last night Stefan tweeted out that he received uh, two community strikes on YouTube and is one strike away from shutting down uh, his YouTube channel. And this all occurred within the past 24 hours. Uh, there, Paul, there is a concentrated effort here to control the narrative, to eliminate any counter-perspective of views in regards to what's happening. And it's, it's, it's very alarming that we're witnessing this, Paul.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's part of the reason why we have the the kind of round table discussion with x22 and sgt because you know we made the point uh, that you have to now start to look at alternative platforms and have your own platform because the risk is if you solely have everything on youtube you can you know in 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 the blink of an eye you can lose all your videos you have lose all your you know, however large it is meaning in Molyneux's case he says hundreds of thousands of subscribers um, you can lose them all in the blink of an eye I mean at least from our perspective because we don't have a YouTube presence because they demonetized us within minutes we have a user we know all our users because they registered it so we, we are fully aware of them and we they, no one can just delete all our content because we have it on a platform but we also have everything backed up so if everything went down, we can e- it'd be a painstaking job, but we can easily put everything back online. And that's a way of protecting ourselves. But the problem is if you're at the mercy of of traditional social media platforms and increasing, you're absolutely right. If you veer away from the official narrative, so to speak, then you're now becoming a target. And, and it is about suppressing, you know, I mean, we talk about not suppressing free speech, but... I mean, it's becoming very, very debatable when the term "violating community standards" are used um, in the context of free speech and, and obviously, um, what is actually discussed. And you know, the SGT was one example. Okay, they subsequently, you know, their rights were not re- were reinstated. But how many more, you know, significant bodies of of work with huge subscriber bases on YouTube are going to? Have their rights revoked, or get these strikes, and then, you know, three strikes and you're out. And uh, but I think it's indicative, as we said, of the mainstream media has lost its its narr- its narrative is is on the wane. And I think, in a lot to a large extent, you can thank Trump for that because Trump effectively threw the hand grenade into the mainstream media, and they detonated it themselves by their actions and the, by their behaviour, and they're becoming less and less. Of what, of what is deemed a reliable source of information by increasingly large numbers of people. Um, I mean, yes, there are problems also with the alternative media. It's not all perfect, but there's certainly a lot of solid information out there which is giving people the, the correct perspective on what's going on. And, yeah, they do, they're desperate now to shut it down because it's the old saying of uh, every day there's more and more people waking up to the reality of what's going on. And that's a, that's a danger to them. I mean, they think that, oh, well, we can contain Trump and and his capability, but they can't control and contain 350 or whatever million American people. And increasingly, more and more people are waking up to the reality. And there comes a point where it's a critical mass. And when that critical mass is reached, then you know, the control over them, uh, their control, which has always been media based, of course, and I mean, the irony is that they tried to, to subvert the internet to control the masses and the the internet spun completely out of control and they've lost complete control of it. But I think we do. I think increasingly we have to look at alternatives and form our own platforms because then we have that independence. They they can't shut anyone down who's independent of them. But while you use their platforms, you are at their mercy and i mean how many more people increasing over the weeks and months in the future are going to be have strikes or be struck or, or have their channel completely deleted and of course it's it's deeply damaging to them in the process because more and more people are going hang on you're suppressing free speech but for the individual you know the you know the company be it rogue news for example well, if that was to happen then it's the damage it does to them and all the hard work they've put in as an individual that is the major problem but in a broader sense you know they're just digging themselves a bigger grave because in the process people are being given a spade and they're desperate so they just keep furiously digging and in the process they're damaging their own credibility which is fine but my concern is the damage it does to individuals who have put all this effort in and there are people out there in the alternative media i don't agree with them everything they say and in fact maybe i don't agree with you know, larger aspects of what they say, but the point is, I, I, I think it's important that they're allowed to have a voice, and people need to reach a logical conclusion themselves. I mean, obviously, if they're grossly offensive, then you know, I just, you know, I, there there are some guidelines you have to be, you have to, uh, you know, observe. But from my perspective, if there's people out like there, I totally disagree with. Them. I just ignore them. I just don't bother paying attention to them and move on. But yeah, it's becoming a bit of a dangerous precedent because day by day and week by week, uh, they're certainly looking to suppress the narrative. But of course, we know why because it's they're in collapse and in freefall, and they've they, you know the, the dam's virtually broken for the mainstream media, and it, and increasingly, it'll only get the chasm between their capability to influence and the influence of the alternative media is growing exponentially over weeks and months. And in, in really, in that sort of compressed time scale.
0: yeah, it's it's a, one of those things, Paul. and you know think about it in terms of the next major false flag event, where traditionally we have several different perspectives, several different news, alt news that came out and and to discuss those things. And I'm not saying that every event, everything that happens, is a false flag event, but it's very alarming to watch this because it it is the control of the information. And, and specifically, why are they targeting this now? Uh what are they preparing for? The uh the deep state players that all have a terrible habit sometimes, Paul, of almost telegraphing things uh that that, that have ha- that are happening or going to happen. Uh and and so that's a concern. I, I know that also recently there was a FBI warning that came out stating that all you know, potential that a virus is going to be in all ATMs across the world. And, and, you know, if ATMs run out of money and they shut down, this is why.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, there can be a number of reasons for that. They can be, you know, they want to launch some sort of cyber attack and blame it on the Iranians, for example. I mean, that's that's a That's a Or, you know, if things go sour with the North Koreans, they'll blame the North Koreans or alternatively. It could be that uh, there's there's a starting to recognize the fact that global financial systems are getting, uh, whilst they publicly will never admit it, but, you know, the financial system is beginning to creak quite badly. And the risk is if, you know, i are not saying this is going to happen, but in a, a scenario where everything collapses, then atms will cease to work and they'll want people to believe that oh well if that happens it's because of a cyber attack not that the financial systems collapse so there can be various reasons why they'll make these announcements but you're absolutely right there there is a precedent of telegraphing false flag events but i have to be honest i would without tempting fate i'd be very surprised from the u.s perspective if something of that magnitude happens because i i you would think that trump himself would jump on it like a ton of bricks go hang on what the hell's going on so i mean yes to some extent he's you know with things abroad particularly in syria where he made a, a serious error in judgment in launching missile attacks as we spoke about even yesterday but i think domestically i think the the risk of some major event happening is not as severe as it would have been under previous administrations but that's not to say you know, out of desperation, something might happen, but I'm not convinced that there's any particular reason at this point in time to feel that that's any more likely to happen than the chance of it happening at any other time. But certainly, the attack on the alternative media is just an act of desperation because they know they've lost they've lost control of the narrative, which is always about you know shaping people's opinions and views on. Uh, international affairs and domestic matters uh, via via the mainstream media outlets, and that's gone. And Trump is a huge uh, catalyst for why that's happened because he has gone for the jugular. He, you know, he coined the term "fake news," and uh, which is absolutely true, as as everyone who listens to this and in a far wider context understands. But yeah, we have to be a little bit careful when we hear comments coming out, but. To be fair, there was a lot of rumblings in the past about which suggested, you know, there might have been some false flag attack in the Persian Gulf. They blame on Iran. Well, that never came to pass. So there's there's overtures and threatening comments made. But I, say, I don't want to attempt fate because you can never say never. But their ability to pull that off is diminishing over, you know, a long period of time. Yeah, you know, particularly in, from the U.S. perspective since Trump came into office, but we can never rule it out, and it will be foolish to do that.
0: Right, and you know, and that's the odd thing. You, it's interesting you said that because when you uh, you have to be very careful in terms of what you do specifically talk about, and not necessarily to instill fear uh, in anyone's minds. But that's exactly what currently, like the media is doing. You know, I, I saw an article Paul that came up that said U.S. official warns that the next UN meeting that Russians have cyberware and are going to be hacking everyone's computer there. That's exactly what they're doing time and time again. And it's just, it's just, it's it's so laughable to hear them come out with these crazy stories like that, Paul.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but it's, well, of course, it's part of the trying to convince uh, the American people that Russia's still, you know, Russia's the big bad bogeyman it's in a way it's as much to convince them that russia's the problem but it's also to try and you know shape and influence the american people's perspective of trump because everyone knows that trump wants to try and you know normalize relations with the russians he's happy to go to helsinki and and meet with putin he's happy to have a one-on-one meeting he's happy to you know entertain uh, putin in washington or to go to moscow and the so they're trying to shape that viewpoint to to make people go, hang on, can I really trust Trump? Because Russia's the bug man? Look, they're trying to to influence our elections. They're trying to still influence our elections. They're planning cyber attacks. They're you know they've been hacking into our um, intelligence services. They're you know they're trying to you know back up against Europe and 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 you know they're trying to reinstall the Cold War and and and, cr- and so it's as much for that. Because they're hoping in, in some way that people start to question Trump's um, credibility and whether they believe in him because of this Russian narrative. But we know largely a lot of people are now going, hang on, I just don't buy the Russian narrative. And, you know, it, so it's backfiring on them in a way, but they'll keep pushing that agenda for that reason also
0: yeah absolutely absolutely uh, let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk a little bit what's happening in in sweden obviously there's been a lot of news coming out in regards to these uh localized riots cars set on fire uh but apparently it looks like that uh, sweden faces a, a historic election upset coming up paul
1: yeah there's it's worth sort of taking a slight backward step in this that i it was probably back in 2013 or 2014, it was said to me that, you know, apart from, you know, attempted regime change in places like Libya and uh, Syria and the so-called Arab Spring, for want of a better word, which was anything but that. But the purpose, apart from, you know, trying to install puppet governments into these countries, it was also they wanted to create a refugee crisis so they could flood Europe with refugees now i thought at the time hang on this sounds a a little bit not necessarily implausible it sounds quite incredible but of course that's exactly what's happened so this was telegraphed a long time ago that this was in the making and it was a a very credible threat and sweden's one nation that's faced this um, i mean we haven't really talked about sweden particularly but it has a huge problem. I mean, there's lots of ghettos, there's lots of no-go areas, there's huge crimes. I mean, and some pretty despicable crimes that have been committed, not just in terms of, of um, you know, criminal damage, but there's been you know, women assaulted and raped and God knows what else has happened. I mean, it's absolutely despicable. And of course, you know, Sweden's population is about 10 million and they've took in, Six hundred thousand refugees over the the past five years that's a six percent of the of their actual population i mean that shows just how how huge the 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 refugee influx is now once again i you know my viewpoint is i don't have a problem with immigration provided it's in keeping with what a country is capable of taking in and providing the people are law abiding and they integrate into into those countries and that's not to say that most people do that, but of course, what is also becoming very, very clear is within these refugees they're, they're, they're bringing sleeper cells in. Who, uh, in terms of terrorist attack, they're bringing in people whose sole objective is to cause these huge uh, explosion of violence all around uh, Swedish cities. In this example, um, you know, there's been they said, you know, uh, maybe there's armed, mass men hurling explosives around car parks etc i mean we don't it, we have to be careful exactly what's going on but there's been this deplorable violence that's unfolding and and sweden's a particularly bad example of this it's not unique by any stretch of the imagination i mean i we know personally in germany there's been problems and in a lot of german cities now there's there's you know people are very fearful of going out at night because of the risk of of this kind of violence so and that's not hysteria. That's just just reality. So, yes, yeah, certainly there was a need for genuine migration out of countries. OK, we know the cabal were responsible for starting wars and conflicts in these countries. And, yeah, legitimately, people will have left countries for their own safety. But the problem is that in the process, they've just, as we said, smuggled in people whose sole objective is to cause mayhem and chaos in these nations. But now, of course, in terms of Sweden, there's an interesting um, perspective because they've got an election coming up in early September. And there's a uh, thing, a party called the Sweden Democrats, and the country's media have branded them as racist and Nazis because apparently they, they one of their main focuses is anti-immigration and strong Euroscepticism. Well, we know this is pretty commonplace across Europe. Hungary is another great example with Auburn in that regard. Now there's a poll that's just been recently um, conducted that indicates that uh, the you know they're trying to say all oh, these Sweden Democrats have fallen from being you know topping three previous polls, uh, uh, and I you have to question is that to try and make people think that you know oh we shouldn't vote for them, and is it subverting polls we don't know but but certainly there has been an indication of that but the question is of course is is there a possibility that when this election happens that you know this kind of i mean as they've been dubbed Sweden first platform which trying to compare you know when trump said america first and um, and, you know, they've had all these accusations that they're forcing assimilation into Swedish culture for people to become citizens. Uh, you know, it's all the sort of standard rhetoric that's come out. But the, the question is, will they actually become elected? And if they do, what does that mean for the future of, of Sweden? And, and this is the thing for me. It's We always have this, this problem in, in the world where everything's perceived as black and white. It's always, whereas the reality is it's myriads of shades of grey in the middle. And no, I'm I'm not convinced that they'll actually win the election necessarily. Okay, they might do. But the problem is, is a lot of the appeal where people will go to, to extremes of political persuasion, I'm not saying they're an extremist party, but the view is people will start to take that viewpoint is because of the ongoing major problems that Sweden's experiencing. And If they do get elected, then what's going to be the outcome in that regard? Because clearly, there's going to be a huge precedent uh, in terms of immigration and how do you handle that situation? Because you've already got a problem. And if you you don't handle it sensitively, you're just going to aggravate the problem. And then there's the flip side to it is that there's a perfectly legitimate number of law-abiding immigrants in countries who are just there to get away from the trouble and they get sucked into into problems. that's nothing to do with them either. So, but yeah, I think, um, you know, undoubtedly many people in Sweden, in this example, say immigration has gone too far. And I think, I think that's absolutely true. I think the numbers are ridiculously high for a country of a small population like that. And of course it remains to be seen, you know, um, what's going to happen in the election. And, but uh, clearly Sweden has massive problems and, there's no doubt, you know, as much as there might be immigrants who come into countries who are, you know, fomenting this kind of terror, the bigger concern is that they're not. there's not terror cells that are being uh, indirectly allowed into nations like Sweden and across all of Europe. And at some point, they all become active. And we have major terrorist threats across Europe in the process. I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen, but there is a huge risk that that could happen. And and I suspect that is that is there is a big risk of that being the case. And and I think nations need to start waking up to the to the reality of what's happening. But I think it'll probably become more of a problem before it gets better. But this is undoubtedly and why I've said for a long time that Europe's going to be reshaped, why you're going to see The integration of Russia, uh, sorry, of Europe into Russia, and I think you'll undoubtedly see in the future that Russia, the Russian military, will play a huge part in cleaning up the mess that that people like Merkel have created in Europe by allowing just carte blanche, allowing anybody to be any immigrants to come into nations without checking their background. And when we found people come in who have been tracked and surveilled by intelligence services in these countries and people have just either turned a blind eye or through crass ignorance and stupidity they've got into the country but i think russia will play a big part and it's part of the reason why russia will ultimately their military will integrate into europe and it's part of the big change because ultimately it will be i mean russia did a great job in syria which is an extreme example of it given it was you know a full-blown war but i think undoubtedly you'll see the Russians helping to clear a huge mess up caused by people like Merkel who, who you know, has to bear a huge responsibility for the immigration policy in the Eurozone in general.
0: Yeah, I, you know, the other odd thing, Paul, when you think of this is, like, looking at the EU, even here in the United States, is that they, they call this an, like a nationalist, you know, movement that's occurring, right? But a lot of the actions that the, the, the things that have been committed the, with the immigration, the policies that have been forced down us is is what created that rise. You know, people will only tolerate so much to a certain level, whether it's an overreaching federal government, whether it's you know immigration and transforming people's lives. the The globalists and the controllers brought this upon themselves uh, with, with these immigration policies. And so to watch this uh, occurring, And again, with the mass immigration, you're absolutely right. Who knows who's coming across, whether it's terrorists. And to watch Russia uh, be able to pivot and maneuver uh, just really been masterful work. And it's going to be very interesting to see the next several years of what happens uh, with Europe and and the EU. And, uh, you know, as they continue with um, the, the different trade and everything, it's just just very interesting to watch this over the last several years. I mean, it's been transformed literally uh, I mean who who would have guessed to see these things happening Paul
1: Yeah I mean well <laughs> you know it, it's one of those things that it, it's if things hadn't worked out how they've worked out the risk is that you know I don't I mean they call it they try to call it populism in Europe all these you know political parties that have spun up in in nations across Europe who you know who are clearly what you know they they feel are anti-establishment which is the cabal establishment and they don't follow their sort of diktats they're not you know they're not prepared to tolerate the mainstream political view anymore and you know italy's another example of of a government that was deemed populist and is is actually making comments like we don't want russian sanctions anymore and and you know we we actually want to trade with iran and we want to you know we want to normalize relations uh, and and not and we want to you know tackle the immigration problem that Italy has a huge problem as well because of course they just pour over from from North Africa from Libya and it's only relatively a short hop to Sicily and from Sicily they move across onto the mainland of Italy and uh, and then move up through through the country so yeah it it is a big problem and and it's going to need a huge uh, response to deal with this because the other problem is, you know, as much as I, my concern as well is that we don't get innocent people who are immigrants in countries getting caught in, in the crossfire when people get really angry because certain events or certain things happen. We have to, to guard against that as well. So it's a kind of, it's a multifaceted problem that needs to be addressed. But I think ultimately it will get addressed. But the question is how many problems are going to happen before it does get addressed. But certainly... Uh, the immigration policy is being one of is being deeply damaging for Merkel, and one of the reasons why she's hanging on by a by a thread in Germany now, and is and is desperately trying to to find someone globally to to latch on to to try and save you know save some face and credibility and try and restore our image, but the damage is beyond repair in our own nation, and her coalition is extremely weak, and this principally came about again because the populist viewpoint starts to go, well, actually, we're going to vote for the AFD and they have a more Eurosceptic immigration, uh, uh, you know, policies. But I think we have to also be careful just because people have concerns about immigration doesn't make them racist. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, I mean, and then there's this idea that somehow, um, you know, it's it's only it's only the the sort of indigenous white people who support these political viewpoints and therefore it makes it racist no i think you know i think that's just very ignorant of the reality that you know there's plenty of people of all you know ethnic backgrounds who have serious <clears throat> concerns about you know immigration that's happened all over the world i mean and the us is a great example that you know undocumented immigration is a problem and trump's right in saying we you know, we need to deal with this, and uh, and if there's a legitimate reason for people to to migrate into countries, and they, you know, they're genuinely peaceful people who want a better life, and but they're prepared to, you know, you know, adopt the culture of countries and abide by the rules and regulations. That's not a problem, and no one should ever have a problem with that. And you know, and and the UK's had lots of time in history where that's happened, and people have lived here for decades and been you know just have have completely embedded themselves in the country and they're you know very you know responsible and uh citizens in the process and that no one should ever have a problem with that i mean and there's a world of difference between being nationalistic and being blatantly outright racist and despising anyone and anyone who doesn't fit a certain you know uh viewpoint that you have but it's very easy to tarnish anybody who's, um, you know, calling them Nazis just because they may be nationalistic. I mean, but then that's how they steer the narrative. They want people to because they're terrified that these political parties and, and entities are going to subvert the narrative that says, do you know what We 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 need to start thinking seriously about the implications of what this kind of policy is doing to our country, whatever it might be doesn't have to be immigration it can be anything and of course again as much as they want to shut down the alternative media narrative they're desperate to shut down people's perspective of these political parties and so they'll brand them with anything that sounds sensationalistic to try and switch people off because there is going to be people who go well i might agree this but oh i don't want to follow them because people will brand me you know whatever in the process so that's all part of the subversion attempt but certainly there's a huge groundswell of political parties and people across Europe who've said, you know, enough's enough. There needs to be political change. And in, and in many guys, it's not just in terms of immigration, but also the, you know, the the need for countries to restore their sovereignty and, and to have control over their governance rather than it being a diktat from Brussels. And of course, eventually Brussels will collapse and, and the integration of Europe into Russia and, all these changes are happening, and it's something I first spoke about a long time ago, and people said that will never happen. Well, it's now happening because this is the whole point of this paradigm shift. There are going to be huge changes that no one would have comprehended were possible, but they're coming about on a a sort of weekly, monthly basis now.
0: Correct, correct. Paul, let's uh, close it out. Um, We're getting information that uh, Trump will soon be uh, subpoenaed to testify, uh, you know the Mueller investigation. Uh, Giuliani has uh, committed to fighting this all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, in in my opinion, Paul, I really think it's it's the burden of of Mueller to t- really try to prove anything. I mean, even even at this point, any type of prosecution uh, that that's occurred has nothing to do with any type of Russia collusion. You look at you know Paul Manafort. And his charges stem from, what is it, you know, bank fraud and tax evasion. I think those were the charges brought forth, you know, against him. Uh, they're trying to use the case with uh, with uh, Stormy Daniels, you know, with Trump paying her off, what he knew, what he didn't know. I mean, I, I don't think really Trump should give any time to uh, Mueller and his investigation team. I think the the burden is on them uh, to try to really prove anything. And I really think it could really be just almost more of a, an entrapment, if you will, uh, you know, for, you know, easily to they have all the information, right? They have all their notes and everything. So Trump's kind of going into it almost blind and very easily could, they could try to get him to say something to perjure himself.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it basically boils down to two school of thoughts. And uh, on the one hand, there's an argument that says, well, if Trump's got nothing to hide and what's the problem, just go and get in, investigated by a mule, or have a you know, uh, you know, a formal discussion, or whatever it might be termed. And so, what? What's the problem? And then, the, quite rightly, the flip side says, well, actually, if Trump does this, he's, he risks potentially, as you say, being put in you know, set a trap, or he could incriminate himself, in, not because he's done anything, but you you know how things can happen; things can be easily twisted, distorted. He could say something perfectly innocently and it gets twisted and and i think in a way you know from what i understood and this is going back quite a long i think it's probably even maybe even a year ago at some point trump was well you know what's the problem let me just go and get this out of the way and talk to him i've got nothing to hide well fair enough but the reality is you just don't put yourself in that situation and again it's an unprecedented move just to, to try and you know subpoena a president to to take part in an investigation which in you know, as long as it's gone on as unearthed nothing that it was supposed to unearth in term relating to, to all the allegations about Trump and Russian collusion, et cetera, et cetera. So now I think quite rightly, um, Trump should err on the side of caution and avoid, uh, attending any meeting or having any interview with, with Mueller under any circumstances, because I think it will ultimately be counterproductive and, I think apart from, you know, maybe selling a trap for him or Trump slipping up in from a legal perspective, I think for me a, a, slot, a sort of bigger concern would be the fact that if Trump goes along and says anything uh, and then anything he says will be a, will be an excuse to vindicate the Mueller to carry on this investigation in perpetuity and investigate a whole bunch of other things related on what Trump said and to just carry on this whole investigation and, and drag it out for months and, and years longer solely on that basis. And I, and we know exactly why they want to do this. It's as much not to try and, you know, impeach Trump because there's no grounds to impeach him. If they couldn't do it by now, they're never going to be able to do it. It's as much to suppress his capability to normalize relations with Russia because geopolitically that would be a seismic change globally and it would it would change things dramatically for many, many reasons, over and above just normalizing relations. I mean that's one aspect I think that's pretty crucially important as to why they don't want to. But secondly, of course the question is that if you if the investigation folds then it's that the credibility damage it does to those who have allowed this investigation to ever come about. And then I think it would allow uh, old investigations to be reopened a lot easier. And would say, well, hang on, let's let's look at the, the role of the Democrats, let's look at the role of the DNC, let's look at the role of, of Clinton with regards to Russia. And let's reopen the, the whole email server investigation from scratch, as we said previously. And um, But, yeah, the risk is they're going to have to keep um, the Trump sort of legal team They're going to have to keep, you know, bashing back at this and to fend off a a subpoena. And they said it could end up going all the way to the Supreme Court. Um, You know, and I think I think it is the risk is that's exactly what might end up happening. But the question is, how far is Mueller prepared to go? Because if it's a bluff game on his from his perspective, you know, how far are you prepared to push this bluff i mean and and, to, and if it ends up going to the Supreme court and that gets thrown out then then i think it's a bridge too far and we know that, that there's a lot of more criticism of of the investigation and the failings of it um than has happened previously but you know i i, I would hope that um that the trump that trump will take is the legal advice which seems to be you know just don't get involved in having any discussions and don't you know certainly don't go for a voluntary kind of presidential interview particularly so if they then try and force i mean the question is will they actually push it will muller go for the legal route and try to subpoena him? i mean that's the. it's not a given that that will absolutely happen but um but i i but i think it would be detrimental to trump to 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 go for um You know, a sort of voluntary interview because I think there's no doubt. Muller's had long enough to 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 hook up what he needs to say to try and if that's exactly what he's trying to do in and trip up Trump in the process. And you know, with all due respect, I mean, you know, given he's the president, given the magnitude and gravity of this situation, it's very easy for Trump to act to inadvertently say something that doesn't actually mean what he says, but becomes a major problem further down the track and. And then potentially causes further headaches for him as the president, but also just allows this whole debacle to carry on and on and on. And it and it comes back to the point, you know. I mean, if if Trump was the focus of the investigation, why has Muller waited all this time to uh, to actually consider wanting to interview him? I mean, by all accounts when I think I first became aware of it, at least probably six months ago or so that, yeah, at least. that there was that muller was looking at, even then at subpoenaing trump to appear before a, gla- a grand jury if you know trump declined the interview now the question is so why has he waited all this time to do this i think the truth is he's banking on trump folding and going oh let's just get this interview up why well, i i don't think he's really necessarily gonna have the stomach to go for a subpoena and then and watch all that play out in public where it could potentially ends up going all the way to the to the Supreme Court to get a resolution on this yeah I
0: completely agree I agree Paul closing thoughts and then also please share how our listeners uh, can learn more about you and your wonderful work at the series report please
1: well closing (laughs) just every day so there's there's always plenty of interesting developments and you know we we sort of scrape the surface and pick a few points of interest but I mean, it, it's just an ever-unfolding story That's uh, and there's going to be lots of swings and turns and roundabouts in different directions we'll move in, but there's there's never a shortage of interesting global developments as well. I mean, yeah, we've tended to, fo- well, we focused on Europe to some extent and the US today, but globally there are enormous changes that get very little press. In fact, often they're hardly even discussed, but there's seismic changes in terms of The perspective of of what's happening in terms of eurasia and europe and and the rest of the world and and you know we just hope at some point that the trump you know is able to start to integrate the us more into this rather than having this distant approach i mean people have accused him of being you know all this protectionism i don't see the us uh, perspective as being protectionism but I think the way it's been handled is not appropriate, and it's ultimately detrimental to the US. And, uh, but of course, the end of this month, the uh, the Chinese and the Russians are supposed, sorry, the Chinese and the US are supposed to reconvene for more trade talks. Whether that's just, I don't think. I mean, China doesn't play games. If there was if there was no substance to this, they wouldn't entertain it. So hopefully, that's a way of starting to resolve these problems before they become completely out of hand. But. Uh, and in terms of us, yes, it's the SiriusReport.com, S-I-R-I-U-S, all the usual caveats. Yeah, we have the, the Twitter account and we obviously have our subscription-based service, which is on the front page. And, uh, you know, we we like people to subscribe because we discuss a huge amount of detail and in great depth what we don't obviously cover on topics on here. And that's where you get the sort of the nitty-gritty information. And we tend to, talk in high-level terms on things on the shows, but that's where we cover other topics in greater detail. And as ever, it's a, a pleasure to be on, and hopefully I've sort of filled the void that V in his vacation <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> has, has created.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And, Paul, thank you so much for for joining today. We really appreciate it. Our, our audience loves uh, having you on. So uh, please make sure to like, share, subscribe and appreciate everyone tuning in today this is CJ in London and Paul uh, with the series report and we're signing out take care everyone be safe